Welcome to Faith Bible College International's podcast, where we share spirit-filled preaching, teaching, and encouragement. For everyone living to make a world of difference in their life and the lives around them with the good news of Jesus Christ. God began to deal with me back in, in my early part of my ministry, and he put me with several different people uh, strategically. Uh, one of those was Dr. Or Roberts, and a friend of mine who was a regent at Oral Roberts University, he said, do you know Dr. Roberts? I said, I, no, I don't know who he is. I know who he is, but I don't know him. And he said, well, what you're teaching and what's going on, you, you know, he says, I'm going to tell Dr. Roberts about you. So three weeks later, I get a phone call, and my secretary says, uh, Dr. Roberts is on the phone to talk to you. And I thought it was my friend. So I get on the phone, and I go, knock it off, Bob. And I and there's just silence. All of a sudden, I hear, uh, uh, Pastor Thomas, uh, this is Dr. Oral Roberts. This is not Bob. And, uh, and so our, our journey began. Long story short, he came to our church. You know, a lot of people understand about that. that was back when we were a little storefront church. But Dr. Roberts came. He said, don't announce it. You we would handle the crowd. And so we didn't. And we had 400 people sitting there that day. And Dr. Roberts came to our church. It's a lot of things about people that you don't know that you hear all the wrong things outside. See, the, the church world got angry at Dr. Roberts because he talked about being blessed. Like some of you are going to get angry with me this morning before I finish because I'm going to talk about being blessed. Because the world has put us in this traditional mindset that we believe all the wrong things. See, when I say prosperity, most people think of dollar signs. Prosperity has nothing to do with dollar signs. Prosperity has everything to do with your life. That you prosper in health as your soul prospers. That you walk in success. And you're in this Bible college to be trained to be successful. But if we're not careful, we learn anything but. When you leave this college, I'm going to say, something today that, that I know is going to bother some people to a sense that I've learned because I went with Dr. Roberts for seven years and became a regent there. I left there. I went with Dr. Uh, Youngie Cho out of Seoul, Korea. I was a regent in his church growth board and he traveled with Dr. Cho for seven years. And then we and then we left there. We, we Our next mentor was Dr. John Avazini, one of the most premier teachers on when it comes to walking in success and prosperity that is in the, the and he's alive today. He's 85 years old. He's still writing books. We're going to, him and I are going to write a book this year in January together. We're going to co-author a book. And he's been my mentor since 2001. But the reality is, and I want to say something, and I love what Sean was sharing with you about having your message. But let me say this to you. I don't care what your message is. If you can't finance it, it means nothing. Let me go over here a minute. You see, what we've not taught in Bible colleges today is how to walk into success, the kingdom success that God has taught us. We learn how to speak in tongues, get people filled with the Spirit. We learn how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. We learn how to, how to operate in prophetic. We learn how to study the Bible and teach the Bible. We know how to get people saved. We know how to get people delivered. We, we, we know how to evangelize. We know how to do all of those things, but the only thing is we can't pay for it. And I don't know why we've never taught this in Bible college. I don't know why Prosperity 101 should not be taught in every Bible college. Because if you go out today, it's not going to be the anointing that's on your life that's going to open the door. It's going to be being able to finance yourself to get through the door. Now, I know some people don't like that because reality is it's not up to someone else to finance you. It's your job to believe God to finance you. And if we're not careful, in Bible college, meantime, we're taught how to be beggars rather than walking in authority. And so I've come today to stir your pure minds up. And I'm going to talk to you somewhat. I changed my, my thought, by the way, Sean. We want to talk. I was in the shower this morning. The Lord spoke to me and said, what are you doing? We were going to teach on vision. That's the reason he shared this thing about the vision and all of that, because I got a whole thing about 2020. It's a wonderful teaching. It's in one of my books, Capturing the Mind of God. And I was going to get into that. And I'm in the shower today getting ready. And God said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, getting, I'm meditating on the message. He says, it's the wrong message you're meditating on. They didn't bring you here to talk about vision. They brought you here to talk about how to be successful. And I apologize because that's really why I'm here. And that's my message. I said, that's my message. And, I, and, I, and it, it's, it opens doors and closes doors. Some people love me. Some people hate me because they know when I come in, what I'm coming in to talk about. And the problem is those who hate me don't take time to listen to me. <laughs> Hello. They think they know because of what tradition has taught them. And we warn people about this 
prosperity message. And I'll be honest with you, I warn you about some of the prosperity messages because they are just deadly. It's not about, you know, when I talk about seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest is not about give a dollar and get a hundredfold return and get a hundred dollars back. That's not what that is. The hundredfold is not a hundred to one. It is full capacity of what the seed is to produce. And when we talk about seed time and harvest, when you take a breath, you can't take another one until you give it the one that you've got. So you are constantly practicing seed time and harvest. You've got to have an action that creates a reaction or you can't breathe. Come on, stay with me, folks. So we talk about these things I was sharing with Dr. Bell. We were out in front. We were talking about some things. And they had a young man there and uh, that I was talking to and sharing. And, and we talked about the fact. I said, you got to understand, everything in my life has to do with seed time and harvest. I said, my conversation with you is not based upon what you think or what I think. It's based upon when we leave here, have we both got something that will cause us to expand our thoughts? I don't listen to people and talk to people if there's not a ground that can be poured into or they're not saying something they can pour into my ground and cause a harvest. I don't think life should ever be spent wasted on fields without, without looking and expecting a harvest to come back in your life. I don't listen to a song. I was telling myself, I don't listen to a song on the radio that if it doesn't speak to me, I'll turn it off. Because it's got to produce something in my life. I can't have, I'm too old, I've been around too long to spend time wasting my time on non-productive things. Sure. And everything in life should be a productivity. And I want you to get in your spirit about that. Then we talk about success and prosperity. He says in the book of Third John over there, he, what does he say? I, I pray or I wish above all things they'll prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. That you will walk in total success. That you will be healthy as your soul prospers. Isn't it amazing? We're supposed to prosper in every area of our lives. We know that Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I don't know what you think about that. But the term there is Jesus came that you might have life. The life is the very essence and being of God himself. The Zoe type of life. Jesus came that you might have the essence and presence of God, the life of God in you, but you might have it more abundantly. The word abundant till it overflows. You should be living in an overflowing life. But our problem is we get so caught up in circumstances that we forget that we have a future. Or we're so busy letting our past dictate to our present that we can never, ever achieve what God called us to do. See, some of you are from different places in the world, from different countries. You're, you're, you're from, some of you are from very impoverished places, and, 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 and it's difficult. And people say, well, you don't understand. You don't know, you don't know what, what we go through in my house. Well, go with me over to Thailand. Go with me to Akka tribe back in 1994. We went to the Akka tribe up in, in, on the, on the uh, border of Myanmar and Thailand. There's a group there that their, their villages have been being raided. Their kids were being sold into to, uh, child trafficking, boys and girls. They were, they were impoverished people because the Thai government would not recognize them. The, uh, the uh, government uh, over Myanmar would not recognize them. And they were down to almost, they were almost down to 27,000 people. But when you get to 26,000 people, you're no longer considered a people group. And so they, they were about to be rendered extinct because of what was going on. And the missionary over there, he said to me, he said, listen, would you go up and, and with me and look at Akka tribe? I really feel like God's called us to do something there. I said, well, let's go. So we go up there and we go up, these, up the side of these mountains and all these things. And I mean, to the point you look over because you know if the, if the Jeep goes off the side of the mountain, you're dead. I laughed. I had one of my associates with me and he was grabbing onto the side of the thing and he's looking down and he says to the missionary, he said, what happens if we fall off the side? He said, don't worry about it. You'll be dead before you hit the bottom anyway. <laughs> It's kind of a scary thing because they were not regular roads. I mean, we were making our way up to where this village was. We get into this village, and there's there's, there's a village that's all the, their huts with the palm fronds as their as their roofs, and and they're, and they're, they're they've got dirt as far as their floors. Their bathroom was a ditch they dug out back. Little babies are running around naked around the place. There's no money there. They're struggling. And he said, he come in and he says, we, we've been talking to the chieftain and stuff. And he says that we want to come here and, and start having a church and create, try and create a church and have a service. He says, would you come back and speak? I said, sure, we will. What do we need to do? He said, we need to dig a well first. Now, y'all didn't get down with right over your head. To dig a well, it costs you money. Before we preach to them, we got to let them know that we care. And so I said, fine, not a problem. How much are the wells? He says, the wells are $15,000. I said, great. I said, tip me to the people that are digging the wells. 
And they took us to this group that was, a, it, it, we went back down the mountain, went to this group, and they said, yes, they said, if we're just going to do all equipment and stuff, it's going to be $15,000. I said, let me ask you something. If I give you $100 bills, can you do it for $5,000? They said, $100 US bills, we'll do it for five. <laughs> the difference is I had the $100 bills in my pocket. Okay. So we dig the well. The next year I come back. We, we've got it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to teach. And they had this little hut, dirt floor. All these villagers come in. I mean, it's packed out. It's, a, it's in Thailand. You're sweating. It's crazy hot. And the, and the missionary says to me, what are you going to teach them? I said, I'm going to teach them on seed time and harvest. He said, are you crazy? Look at these people. You're going to teach them on giving? I said, yeah. Because that's the law. For God so loved the world he gave. If they don't learn how to give, they'll never enter into the kingdom principles. It's a very simple thing. It's the truth. He said, man, I, I said, watch. So we were there five days. I taught three hours in the morning, two in the afternoon. At night you couldn't because there were no lights. So I taught five hours a day, every day. And he thought, he says, I don't believe you're teaching on seed time and harvest. He says, these people don't know what you're doing. I said, well, just bear with me. The last day we get to the, you know, to the hut that we got, went into where they were all coming. They'd all sit and just all crowded together, sitting on the ground. And they all come in. And all of a sudden, I look down front, and there is some rocks that have been polished. And there's a banana. And then there's these things that have been made out of leaves, little characters and stuff like that. And I, and I, and I, I turned to the missionary. I said, what is this? He said, I don't know. He asked the chieftain. He says, what is this? He said, that's what he's been teaching them. That's not, they don't have any money I mean, to give, but this is what they brought to give. And I looked at the missionary and said, you watch what happens to these people. So the next year, we went back again. I brought a team, and we built a, a block house, which is unique because I helped lay the block, and it's still standing, which boggles my mind to this day. <laughs> And so we built this block house, and, uh, and, and, and we, we brought a whole team over there. And I taught again on seed time and harvest the whole time. And all of a sudden, all these things would come in. It was amazing. All of these little, I mean, most people's just nothing. But these people, this is what they had to give. So the next year, we came back, we taught again, and, it just, and the whole thing began to expand. I mean, it was crazy. So then we had several years that I couldn't go back. We had some things come up. We couldn't make it back. And, and it had been about three and a half years or so. And I went back over to Thailand. And at that time, uh, the missionary that I'd been working with had left. And Jeff Dove, the missionary, took over. He said to me, he says, you haven't been to the Aka tribe in a long time. Would you like to go see them? I said, man, I want to go see them. Absolutely. He said, well, things have changed since you were there. You know, it's been about five years now. I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So we get we get in the car and we're going up there and all of a sudden, and we get like we're supposed to go up this mountain. He doesn't go up this mountain. He goes this other one. He goes, I said, where are you going? This is not like a tribe. He says, this, we'll, I'll show you. So we get down there. We get on this big, huge waterway lake and all this stuff. And there's this, there's these homes on stilts and they got they got tin roofs and they got wood floors and, and they got an indoor bathroom and I'm seeing some trucks and I'm seeing some motorcycles. And I said, what is going on? He says, what do you mean what's going on? He says, this is the Aka tribe. So we go there. They got, they've got the chieftain who's there. And, and they bring us in. they got this building now that they have that you could seat probably a couple hundred people. And we go in this building. And, and of course, we're still on the floor. And they, we're, we're, you know, they're sharing some things with us. And we're talking and all that. So finally, I turned to the chieftain. I said, what is going on here? How did this happen? And the chieftain looked at me. He says, you're asking us? You're the one who taught us. I just looked at him. I said, what do you mean? He says, we understood what it was to start giving. And we understood that it wasn't God's will for us to be in poverty because you taught us that. And we understood as Christians that we have a right to anticipate God's supernatural favor upon our lives. And as we began to give and we started giving and helping others, that the, the, uh, the government of Thailand said, we're going to recognize you as a people group. And because we recognize you a people group, your kids can now go to our schools. And because you are now recognized as a people group, your kids can go to our schools, but we're going to move you to some land and give you some land that you now can have as your own. And we're going to dedicate it just to the Aka tribe. And because of that, now you are now available, doors have opened that you can get jobs in the Thai community and go to work. Wow. Praise God. So don't talk to me about where you come from. 
don't tell me that it don't work there. If it doesn't work there, it doesn't work anywhere. So what I'm teaching you is not today is not about where you're from. It's about where you're going. Oh, glory to God. Don't, don't use an excuse because you are not, as we heard from Sean, disciplined enough to cause our vision to manifest itself. Is that fair enough with everybody? I want to take you through some things today. He says in Romans 12 and 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That you may prove what is the good, the acceptable will of God. We look at the world system today and we understand, I just jotted down some things. We know the world's in crisis today because they tell us they are. See, I don't understand why I've got to participate with their crisis, but the church seems to think we've got to preach on it, talk about it, and, and, and live it, which God never called us to live in crisis. Even though there's a storm round about us, God protects us. Yep. You know, we say crazy things like greater is he that's in me that's in the world, but we don't live like it. <laughs> we say crazy things like, like that God will never leave us or never forsake us, but we wonder where God is. <laughs> Listen, just because you go through the valley, don't pitch your tent in a place that's there. Make sure you go walk through the valley. Don't stay there. Yeah. Quit pitching your tent in the places of loss and realize that it's only a, 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 you're only walking through. Now, as we look at this, the world has a medical crisis today, obviously, with all the COVID and all this nonsense, an economic crisis. Look at what's going on now with inflation and what's going around the world. We know there's a political crisis today because we don't know who's in the White House in the United States. We, we know there's an educational crisis today because you've got, they've got all kinds of problems with all of the different uh, uh, situations of what they're trying to teach or not teach, and the parents are all upset. We know there's a racial crisis today because the news media makes sure that all the races stay angry at one one another. We know there's a gender crisis today because we don't know whether we're male or female. It's just whatever we feel in the moment. <laughs> Funny thing, we know there's a global uh, warming today, they tell us. That's what they tell us. I don't have time to get into that. Uh, <clears throat> there's been global warming since the beginning of time. Right. <laughs> and it's not going to kill you. And you're not going to be dead in 10 years. And you don't have to do everything they're telling you to do because these people are crazy. <laughs> They want to use the global. They want to use the global warming to control people and have a one-world government. Then anyway, we, we know there's all kinds of crisis in the world today. The world crisis and, and, and all of the above can be summed up in one truth. And that that there is that truth that we're talking about is, is there is a spiritual crisis in which all these things flow from. Do not be overcome by the evil, but be but, but overcome evil with good. He says in Romans 12 and 21, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, he talks about the parable of talents. I'm going to move through this very quickly because I want to get you some other areas. But he talks about the talents. And what does he say? He gives one five, he gives one two, he gives another one one. The one with five, what does he do? He goes out, he's disciplined enough to go out and take the five and produce five more. The one with two, and what does he say to him? He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Do you notice that the joy of the Lord is founded in your productivity? Mm. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> if you're non-productive, you're not happy. And you make everybody around you miserable. Because you're not producing anything. To the one with two, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You produce two more. Enter into the joy of the Lord. But the one with one, he says, you know, you're just a wicked, evil servant. <laughs> you, you know that I at least want interest on what I've invested in you. Because, see, he gave, a court, he gave to them the talents according to their ability. So the man with the one talent had the ability to produce another talent, but he refused to use it. And that's where the church is today. We've used the excuse because we've minimized what we have rather than taking what we have and producing. Because once you produce one time, it begins to multiply. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, verse 28, he, he's blessed them and he said, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Everybody say multiply. multiply. See, my job is not to add. I'm not an addition. <laughs> I'm a multiplier. I'm, I multiply everything that I touch. Yeah. I, I don't settle one and one is two. No, 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 no. They don't work that way. If one and one is two, then two and two's got to be four. If two and two's got to be four, then four and four's got to be eight. It's got to multiply. And you spend your life and you get at this Bible college, you better make sure that everything you touch in ministry is for multiplication. You know, we got people today that I went to Bible college with years ago that are pastoring churches that are running in today for the last 30 years, they're still running less than 100 people. And I ask them, why are you there? What in the name of heaven are you teaching your people? 
How can you be satisfied? Who's getting saved? Or better yet, if somebody's dying, then you're getting somebody else saved to take your place. But you're not multiplying. You're not even adding. You're not even growing. You should never, ever be satisfied unless you are multiplying. Get that in your spirit. And that's whether you're a business person or whether you're a minister or whether you're a missionary or, 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 or whether, or no matter who, or an educator, there should always be. Here's the biggest thing that I had that I run into people all the time. We have people that are educators that they went through the degrees, they went through the programs, they did all that, they're teaching, but they've never read a new book so they can change the way they're teaching. Mm, I just stepped on some toes now. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When you get into ministry, don't ever stop studying and don't ever stop reading. Because there's always something. We shared something yesterday. I've been in the ministry 51 years that God downloaded into my spirit two months ago that I'd never seen before. And I said, Lord, why have you never showed me this before? 51 years in the ministry. I don't know how many times I've read the Bible through. Because I took a, a, a speed reading course. If you, if you read 15 pages a day, you can read your Bible through in about five months. And we got into that program and we read it through and read it through and read it through. And I said, why have I never seen this before? Because there's always something you don't know. The secret things belong to God, but those things reveal belong to you and your children forever. So there are times and moments where you're not ready for what God wants to download to you until he has matured you to where you're ready now to receive what he's got. So now you can produce. Nothing worse than to give you something that you're not ready for. Give a five-year-old a car. Give a, a three-year-old a gun. And you might have some problems on your hand because you're not ready. And in the body of Christ, we need to understand that. There's a season of maturing that we move into that we have to draw. And let me say this to you. When everyone gets out of here, make sure you got a mentor. I don't, I don't talk to anyone that does not have mentors in their life. Because the instructions you follow determine the future you possess. The instructions you follow determine the future you possess. So we talk about this message right now. We're talking about how moving into the, 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 the multiplication factor. He says, John 15, 7 through 8, that God says, if you're part of the vine, the true vine, you can produce fruit. If you don't, I'm going to cut you out and cut, get rid of you. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. It will put, the word prosper there in the original text is it means to push forward. It means it will advance and it will have success. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. We know that Moses has now been taken by the Lord. We know that Joshua is now in charge. He is now having a conversation with God about how to handle this thing and the children of Israel and what they're supposed to do. In verse 7, he says to, God says to him, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper or act intelligent. The word prosper means that you may act intelligently. It's a different Hebrew word. That you might act, you know, nothing worse than stupid Christians. <laughs> saying stuff they don't know. Saying stuff. I always love when people say to me, oh, you teach them proceed time and harvest. I've already heard that message. And I just look at them and go, really? That's awesome. Who'd you lead to Christ this week? Well, you know, no, okay. Just curious. Who, who got healed in, uh, this week that you laid hands on? Uh, well, uh, uh, have you got your bills paid? You, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't owe anybody anything, do you? Well, I said, then you haven't heard a message. You, 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 you've heard it, but you've not, or you've listened to it, but you've not heard it. You've not understood it. Right. See, it's easy to get a message in Bible college. You think you know it, and you never can implement it in your life. If you can't implement what these professors are teaching you, you don't know it. Because it's there for productivity. It's there for your success. It's there for your overcoming ability that when you enter into the world system, that the world realizes you've got somebody here that's not just blowing smoke, but somebody who knows how to put their feet on the top of the head of the serpent and say, we've arrived. It's important. And Satan knows whether you believe what you say you believe because you do it. I stay away from things that I've listened to. I only act on things that I know. 
The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. By the way, that's a different word, prosperous. Then you will break forth. You will push forward. You will advance. You will succeed. And then you will have good success. And then you will act intelligently. It's the same Hebrew word as prosper in the last verse. Four fundamental reasons for biblical prosperity. You want to write these down. Number one, it will provide for the gospel to be preached. Period. No ifs, ands, buts, or maybes. You want to prosper so you can give for the sake of the gospel. We've got to re- go into all the world and preach the gospel. Number two, it will provide for your purpose to be fulfilled. I need to build a church. I need to travel around the world. I need to go to Africa and preach. Prosperity provides the vehicle by which you can fund that endeavor. It's important you get a hold of that. Number three, it will provide resources for you to be a blessing. It's not enough having my need. I love, well, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, praise God. Well, I'm glad he does. But he also said he will, he will do abundantly for you over and above. Why? Because it's not about your needs being met. It's about you understanding that you've got enough to bless somebody else. Wouldn't it be great you got your school bill paid and you're helping another student get theirs paid? Praise God. Well, man, I'm just trying to get by. That's your problem. You're trying to get by. You don't see the future. I've always been futuristic. I don't know what it is. I've always been futuristic in my life. And anybody who understands seed time and harvest understands that sowing of a seed is always about the future. It's never about the moment. I said sowing a seed is never about the moment. It's about the future. And so the enemy tries to confuse you in the moment because you think you haven't got enough to sow or you don't have the ability to sow. So he can screw up your future. I'm just being honest with you. I don't sound real spiritual, but you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you have to confront it for what it is. All the enemy wants to do, he, he listen, he can't stop you from being saved, you're already saved. He can't stop you from being Bible college, you're already here. But what he can do is stop you from becoming what God wants you to be by confusing you in the content of the moment. See, it doesn't matter what my moment is because I'm not living in the moment. God lives in eternity. We live in the moment. And God comes from eternity to take a hold of us and move us to the future. What is he moving us to? To that which he's already prepared for you. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, ear in the heart of man, things God has already prepared for you. God's got stuff waiting on you that he's trying to get you there. And as men are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God, the Spirit of God leads you by what? By every word that the Father has proclaimed. Then the Holy Spirit is the teacher and revelator of what God's word said. He paints pictures on the canvas of your mind that you can see where you're going so that a moment no longer has captivity of your life. My life is not based upon where I am right now. I'm always, my, my son can tell you, I, I'm never about the moment. I got to walk through it, but my life, my, what I do today has nothing to do with what my purpose is in life. This is a stepping stone to where I'm going. It is not the moment that we've taught. We've all, we love this in the church. Let's have a moment. Oh, God help me. How long is your moment going to last? Listen, I got healed. I was raised from the dead. 2000, I had a massive heart attack. They rushed me to the hospital. I flatlined on the table for a number of minutes. And God brought me back to life because when I was dead, when my body was dead, my spirit was alive, my life flashed in front of me from a little boy all the way to that point. And when it got to the end of it, I said, God, I'm totally fine with this, but there's three things left that you gave me in a prophetic word that I was supposed to complete, and I haven't finished those. I finished all these others, but I want to finish them. The moment I said that, I heard the doctor scream, my God, nurses, this man is back. Y'all better get, get back in here now. He's back. So I wrote in my book, A Man with a Vision Cannot Die. You know why? Because vision is never about the moment. It's always about the future. (laughs) See, it's so easy to get caught up in the moment. If you can keep your eyes looking over at the vision, then the moment can't control you. I'm not denying it. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just saying you can't stay. While I look not at that which is seen, I look at that which is not seen. For that which is seen is temporal, but that which is not seen is eternal. I'm looking. I said, I'm looking. I'm going, I'm going to another place right now. Amen? Amen. So as we, as, we, as we move into this, this dimension 
It will provide for you and your family. Ooh. And let me say this to you. Never, when you go in the ministry, never neglect your family. My staff knows this. Every pastor I ever hire, I sit down, and here's what I tell them. God is first place in your life above everything else. Your family is second place in your life. And your church and your endeavors in ministry is your third place in life. See, my relationship with God is not about my ministry. It's a personal relationship between me and him. It's about intimacy. My ministry is with purpose. But if my family is, a man who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. So my family has to be purpose. It's got to be the place. I got to spend time with my family. I got to pray with my family. I got to love my family. I got to play with my family. But I also have to support my family. Do not allow your families to suffer because somebody sold you a bill of goods that you're doing it for God. God's not happy with you doing whatever you're doing for him if you're not taking care of your family. Mark that down. It's important you get a hold of that. Prosperity, preach the gospel. Prosperity, provide for purpose to be fulfilled. Prosperity, resources to be a blessing to others. And prosperity is so you can provide for your family. To profit, to advance, take advantage of, gain, benefit, have good success in advance. Total prosperity needs to be manifested in five areas. Number one, spiritually, you need to prosper in your spirit. I don't care what your call is in life. You better spend some time in prayer and praise and presentation. You better get along with God. Never get to the point that never walk walk in a place to speak that you haven't prayed about. Create an intimate time with God. I tell people every day of my life, and this has been going on for 50 years now, every morning when I wake up in my life, I take the first 15 to 30 minutes and just meditate and spend intimacy with God. That's before I read a scripture. That's before I read my Bible. I spend time talking to God and letting him talk to me. I meditate on who God is and in my relationship with God. And God, examine my heart because pure in heart shall see God. Search me, Lord, today. Make sure that my, my, my heart is right before you, that as I move into this day, let me see what I've never seen. Let me hear what I've never heard so I can do what I've never done. Let, let this be an unusual day. It's important that you spiritually understand that once I'm saved, it opened the door for me to have intimacy with God. Mentally, he said, meditate in the word day and night. You're soulish man. Study the word of God. Read the word of God. Let me give you a, a, a thing that's going to blow your mind. In America today, the people who are fulfilling the, 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 the pastoral offices in the, in the Protestant rank is it's really frightening. Over 90% of them, of the pastors have never read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And you wonder why our churches are in trouble. You can't teach on a book that you've never read. You've got to make sure that you're sharp. And let me say this, this is just for a side note, what Minister Sean said earlier, is that when you know your message, quit spending time listening to everybody else's message. Just stop it. I went to Bible college. I, I got, I got my, my, my BA. I got my master's degree. I, I've been in ministry 51 years. And, and I laugh because some people come in and go, you never teach on end time prophecy. I say, which one you want to teach on? You want to pre, post, mid, kingdom? Which one you want to preach on? You want to preach on the sons of God uh, and the book of Matthew? Which one do you want to talk about? And then, oh, you know about that. I said, sure I do. Well, why don't you teach on it? Because that's not my message. Oh, I just messed some of you up right there. When you get out of here, one of the worst things you can do is think that you've got to listen to what everybody else is preaching to find your message. And if you listen to the world system and especially a lot of the, the people on television that are teaching, that's what they're doing. They're finding out what's going on in the world system and now they're coming up with a message rather than what God told them. My son can tell you, I've never deviate, deviated from this message. In 1992, when God put seed time and harvest in my heart, 
when I got, had the heart attack and I spent four months on the back of my, my uh, house sitting on a patio, God dealing with me, he says, you go back, you drop off of every committee, you get off of every board that you're on, and you preach this message and see what I'll do with it in your life. And I preach nothing but seed time and harvest and prosperity, and God's taken me around the world. We've written eight books. We've been into 18 different nations. We've been translated into 22 different languages. And God has blessed me beyond measure. Why? Because I refuse, I appreciate the fact that you're preaching deliverance. I'm not interested. Well, you mean you don't believe in deliverance? I believe in total deliverance. I've, I cast out devils all the time when I go in other foreign countries. But I don't need to listen to somebody teach me about casting out devils. I have the greater one within me. In the name of Jesus, get lost, devil. I got things to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. I'm not going to have a conversation with you. Just shut up and leave. I had a, a board in the church. They called call me in one time. I was an associate pastor at the time years ago. Associate pastor, I walked into the into the, to the room and they had four of our deacons and two of our elders and this lady was demon possessed. And man, she was just talking out of this weird voice and, and just tearing things up in this office. And they went and got me because the pastor was in the middle of a service. And I walked in and all of a sudden she just did this when she saw me. And they said, we got a demon possessed. We don't know, what, what do we do? I said, Really? <laughs> And the woman looked at me, she said, out of this crazy voice, she says, I know who you are. I said, that's good, because if you know who I am, then you get out of here and in the name of Jesus, out of her, set her free, go. She rose up, literally levitated, shook, fell to the ground. That spirit, you could feel a wind leave the room. And the lady stood up and she goes, oh my God. And they looked at me and they said, what is going on? I said, would you take her? I got to go back to the meeting. You know why? Because what you celebrate is what you tolerate. And what you tolerate will never leave your life. If a demons know you'll tolerate them, they'll come around you all the time. Hmm. Don't you love Bible college? We're talking prosperity now. <laughs> you've got to get the word of God in you so you don't ever doubt yourself. I said, you've got to get the word of God in you so you don't doubt yourself. You meditate in it day and night. You read it. I don't care how many times you go over and over and over it again. Because when the time comes, I don't have to sit around. That's not my message. But I got enough word in me know that when something comes up that's not lines up with the word, I just get rid of it and move on. I ain't got time to deal with that because my message that God gave me to bring to the body of Christ was God wants you to prosper. I'm amazed at how many people do not want to prosper in the kingdom. It's so easy to stay broke. You got to work at prospering. Well, I don't seek prosperity. I do. I seek the prosperity that God has for me. Well, let, let's talk about that because we're going to get into some things here. We know mentally we got to, souls got to prosper. Physically, soundness of your body. I was 248 pounds when I had my heart attack. <laughs> had a friend of mine call me up, great man of God. He called me up. He said, listen, man. He said, You've been going so hard and so fast. I think God let you have the heart attack to slow you down, and you got to get things. You got to get things in priority straight. God, mm -hmm. as my wife was saying there, hang up the phone. The phone rings. Another man of God. If I said their names, you know who they are. They're major, major ministers. And he said, "Hey, man." He says, "Satan was trying to take you out." Okay. One God said. Let me have a heart attack so I'd slow down, for, get my act together for the ministry and you know, relax and quit going so hard. The other one said, Satan tried to take me out. And my wife looked at me and she said, which, which way do you go? Both of these men are very well known, very well liked. And if I could ever mention them, you'd all go, oh, well, we know them. She looked at me, she said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I got God on this side. I got Satan on this side. And Satan's looking at God and he's going, I have anything to do with it. And God's looking at Satan and says, well, I certainly wouldn't do that. And they both looked at me and they go, oh, he's fat. <laughs> I did it to myself. <laughs> I did it to myself. You have to take care of yourself. I was eating all the wrong things. I was spending a lot of time doing a lot of things that I was not physically capable of doing. And that's why I had the heart attack. Lost over 50 pounds. Doing pretty good. 
still work at it every day, watching my meals every day, exercise. Why? Because I want to know that I'm prospering in my body. I'm 71 years old, guys. And I'll take any of you young bucks and go to the gym. I'm not joking. You're laughing. I'm working out with a guy, NFL ball player, 38 years old. He retired. He's down there working out. And we're, doing, we're hammering the tire. And all of a sudden, he lays the hammer down. He, I said, what are you doing? He said, man, I can't do this. I said, but I'm, 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 at that time, I'm 63 years old. You're 38. You, you just come out of the NFL. He said, I don't care what I come out of. I can't do what you're doing. You know why? Because I made up my mind, I'm going to live a long, healthy life, and I am going to make sure that I fulfill the purpose God gave in my life, and I'm not going to use the excuse yep. of some sickness that I could keep from coming into my life. Yeah. You want to prosper in that area. You want to prosper socially. I, I want to have an impact. So I've got to get involved with people. Now, I'm going to mess some of you up now. That's outside of the church. I get involved with the city. I, I, I get involved with, with, with businesses. I, I, go, I get to talk. And I don't go in and hand them tracts and preach the gospel at them. I just get involved and love on them and talk to them because they know who I am. And eventually, it's amazing. They always come back to, and what do you do again? We had a Jewish gentleman in our, our community who had a, a men's store. A very exclusive men's store, and I got to know him, and a very strong Jewish guy. And he, he told me, he says, "I know you. I know you're a minister. Don't go preaching to me." I said, I'll "I will never preach to you. I promise. I'm coming here to buy clothes." But I'd come in, and we talked. We got to know one another socially. We created a relationship. This went on for almost six years. I walked in one day. He's sitting there at his behind his counter. His face. He's weeping. I said, "What's wrong with you?" He looked at me. He says, we just got word my wife has cancer, and they don't give her more than three weeks to live. He said, we don't know what to do. And he's weeping. And he says, and I said, well, you know, I said, I know what to do if you want me to do it. I don't want to offend you. He says, I, I don't care. My wife is dying, man. We need, I, I, I need help. I said, give me your hand. I said, now, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who I believe is the Messiah. Wow. He says, I don't care what you pray and if you can help my wife. And we prayed, and God, God really just felt that anointing as it began to move. I turned around, and I said, Bruce, I said, listen, man, I got to go. I'm believing, I know God's touched your wife. I left. A week later, I said, let me go by and see how Bruce is doing. I walked in. He jumps up, he runs around, he hugs me. He's crying again, but he hugs me. This isn't the same tears. I said, what's going on, Bruce? He says, you prayed on Monday. He says, we went back in on Wednesday and Thursday, and the doctors cannot understand. The cancer began to disappear, and by Friday, they could find no cancer in her body. Wow. Watch this now. Watch this now. Social, socially prospering. Building relationships. He looked at me and he reached behind his cash register and he pulled out a little living Bible. He says, I went and got me one of these things and I've been reading it. <laughs> and we led him to Christ. Wow. I was back there a week later. I walked in because I had bought some things. He'd had them tailored. I walked to pick them up and we walked in. He said, I'm so glad you're here. Come with me. And he took me to the back of his store and there's four Jewish people sitting there, two couples, man and, man and woman, man and woman. He says, this is the guy. I can't tell you what has happened to me. He can tell you. Tell them what God, what God, who God is. <laughs> if you're not prospering socially, don't get so caught up in your thing that you're going to judge everybody. Why don't you build bridges that you can cross over and then cross over to you because there's coming a time that everybody has a place in the prayer line. Yes. Yes. You've got to prosper in that area. There's seven keys to man's survival that prosperity will, will reveal to you. You gotta prosper in love. God is love. It's important you get a hold of that. Number two, acceptance. You gotta prosper. What is that? The, in the world, we, we're always trying to please each other, but you wanna make sure that you're pleasing God. Number three, provision. 
Listen to me, folks. You've got to know that God wants to provide for you. He gives seed to the sower, and he multiplies the seed sown so that you are never have lack in helping others and ministering to others. Yeah. Knowledge. You've got to prosper in your knowledge and understanding. You've got to prosper in the area of power, which is number five. You've got to prosper in the area of worship. You've got to develop a, a life of worship. And that's another area I was sharing with the church yesterday that God spoke to me, that worship, when you give of your, of your offerings to God, that's worship. Tithe and offering is worship. Yeah. Tithe is holy unto the Lord. You cannot get any more intimate with God than giving him your tithe. Wow. And you cannot get God more intimate with you than sowing your seed. <laughs> the tithe is for revelation. The seed is for manifestation. The tithe is you make covenant with God. The seed is God now is obligated to make covenant with you. Because whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked because as he's put his word on it. As long as the earth remains seed time and harvest. It's important you get a hold of that. You will intimacy with God, develop your tithe and offering and begin to worship the Lord with it or spiritually. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on a daily basis. On a daily basis. I, I, I'm going to take about 10 more minutes, Pastor. Is that okay? And we'll be done. I don't want to override this thing because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to cover you a lot of things. Go to Psalms chapter 1. I'm going to finish up here pretty quick with you, but Psalms chapter 1. Glory to God. I wish I'd have had this in Bible college. You don't believe some of the stuff I had. I mean, it was crazy. They made me take some classes. I just sat there and said, what? Anyway, that's another story. Verse 1, blessed is the man. Fortunate, prosperous, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Yeah. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also, in other words, you've got fruit you've got to bring forth, and if you will do these things, you will be a seasonal thing of fruit. Yeah. Everything you do has a season to it. That brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall also not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I said, whatever he does shall prosper. We've already talked about Third John. I wish above all things that prosper in health as our soul prospers. You may prosper in all things and be in health. 2 Corinthians 2 and 9, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And I won't take a lot of time with this, but we taught it yesterday in the, in the, in the service. But Jesus' riches did not come from heaven. Because when you study the original text here about riches, he gave up his riches. It deals with personal, physical riches. We've always taught he left heaven, gave up his riches, and came here. That's not what that's saying. I don't have time to get in it. Can I get the tape from last night? Okay, get the tape from last night. For those of you there, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus was made rich when they came to the house as a little boy, the wise men, and they dropped off literally a wealth of riches at his doorstep. But when he started his ministry, he walked away from that and went into his ministry. He left his riches to pursue the cross that he was going to have to go to. And when he ran into the rich young ruler, he tells him, sell your riches, start giving to the poor, take up the cross, and do what I did. In other words, this is the way I did it. This is what you need. You want to follow me? Then do what I did. And he walked away because he wasn't going to do that. And Jesus goes on to talk about the fact that, listen, you've not left anything, you've not done any of this thing, that you're not going to receive a hundredfold or full capacity in this life, along with persecution. You're going to be persecuted for being blessed. You know what? Let me say this to you. There was a time I wasn't blessed. And now I'm in a time that I'm walking in a tremendous season of blessing. It's so much easier to deal with persecution when you're blessed. <laughs> Hallelujah. My 
my daughter, we went to buy a house for her. She's a single mom. We found a house that was in uh, a short sale. We went to the people, talked to the realtor, we're going to buy the house. The realtor, we signed the papers, he goes in, and the bank says, we're not going to honor it because you only have two days left on your, on your listing. We're going to take it back and because uh, we feel like we can do a, get somebody else to handle it. And uh, so that we're not going to honor that, that contract because you only have two days. And they don't have time to finance, get finances, to get a mortgage for that house. The, law, the realtor calls me up. He tells me the story. I said, really? I said, can, can, I, can I come over to your office with a minute? He said, sure, come on. I said, call the bank. Get me, get me the person who's head of that loan. So he got him on the phone. Vice president, head of loans. And he's, I said, explain to me again why you won't sell us that house. He said, well, just be very cut to the chase. He says, there's not enough time to get a mortgage. He says, even if you've got great credit, it's going to take at least 30 days. I said, really? I said, well, what happens if I go to my bank and have them transfer $258,000 into this account today? I want to close in 48 hours. Silence on the other side. I said, you see, sir, the problem is you're talking to the wrong person. You don't intimidate me. You don't bother me. I've got the money, and if you don't close on this deal, which is a valid deal, and the money is going to be in escrow, I'm going to sue you for everything you've got. <laughs> he said, you can't do that. I said, watch me. He said, well, I can't get the paperwork done in 48 hours. I said, that's your problem. <laughs> it's important that you understand something, folks. When you, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Come on. When you begin to believe God, when you start your ministry, begin to believe that God will do the unexpected. Now, we're not seeking money. We're seeking success in kingdom. But if you seek the success in kingdom, then God's already got the money. See, when God calls you into a ministry, he's already been before you and coming back, getting you there. He says, I have not seen ears not heard us or in the heart of men things he's prepared. He's got everything you have need of already waiting on you, asking you to step into purpose and destiny. And as you do that, God releases it into your life. He's not going to release it until you take the step. Right, right, you're supposed to be the lender, not the borrower. <laughs> oh, I got to get moving. Jesus gave up his riches. That though he was rich, for your sakes, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. <sighs> By grace. And, and again, I, I got into it yesterday. I don't want to spend a lot of time with this because I want to close with one scripture. But grace in this passage has nothing to do with unmerited favor. I don't know why the, the translators or why the Christians, well, I do know why, because we like to make excuses. God gives me grace to put up with that. No, he didn't give you grace to put up with that. He gave you grace so you could overcome it. <laughs> well, I've got grace. I can talk. I don't want you tolerating stuff. Let me get something straight. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can say this mountain be thou removed. And if I don't doubt in my heart, it's going to be removed. No weapon formed against me will prosper. If God be for me, who can be against me? God will make crooked paths straight. He will give me streams in the middle of my desert. Now tell me again about how you got grace to tolerate nonsense. <laughs> the word grace there is favor. But it's favor of God's influence upon your life to be, to be able to fulfill or be successful at what you do. It's empowerment. It's God's favor of empowerment for you to be what he created you to be and do what he called you to do. God, he said, Jesus said, through grace, let's watch it this now, through grace, through the empowerment of God upon my, see, Jesus was not standing there as Paul was talking here. He's not standing there in the spirit. He's standing there in the flesh. Oh, God. He left fleshly things, but God empowered him 
with his favor and presence to take on this thing of poverty so you and I would not have to live that way. But we taught it so different in the Bible that we almost celebrate lack. I got grace. I can go through. Oh, give me a break. You better read the 23rd Psalm again and understand that when you go through the valley, he's with you. And he doesn't leave you homeless. He doesn't leave you hungry. He doesn't leave you lacking. Even in the presence of your enemies, he feeds you. So don't give me this grace stuff about, I can tolerate that because I have the grace of God. I'm not tolerating nothing. My patience is not about the problem. My patience is that my faith have an opportunity to work. That's good. I know I'm getting off into stuff. I apologize. Watch this now. Psalms 3527. I want to pray with y'all in a few moments. And I know I've been kind of rough this morning, but... You know, when I was in Bible college, I wish somebody would kind of grab me by the ear sometime and said, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I'm not here to make you feel good. I, I, I don't want you to go, oh, I, just, I, just, I love this guy. I love this guy. I, know I could care less. I want you to go out of here in 10 years from now and say, you know what? I'm in a situation that I heard a guy say something that I can put into place right here and now and have victory. See, I didn't come to get you to like me. I came to teach you how to be what God created you to be, Mm -hmm. to fulfill your purpose and destiny. Peter wasn't a likable fella. You're Bible students. He even made Jesus get upset. Get behind me, Satan. Paul wasn't a likable fella. So I guess sometimes you just got to go with the flow. (laughs) But when you leave today, you're going to be thinking some different things. Over here in Psalms 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteous cause. Let them continually say, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. My tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. Prosperity starts when you establish principles. If you can take notes, this is the time to do it. Prosperity starts when you establish principles. Principles will work when you have structure. Structure. Structure, I'll go back through these again too. Structure operates on priority. It operates on priority. The way of your priority will decide the life's direction that you will go in. Your priority will decide the life's direction you will go in. Let me say it again. Prosperity starts when you establish principles. Principles will work when you have a structure. Structure operates on your pri- on priority. And the way or, or the priorities that you've established will establish the, the way in which your life will go in. Just for your information, money does not make someone good or bad. It only magnifies who they really are. <laughs> what you do with $100 will tell you what you'll do with $1,000. See, cheap people are always cheap. Stingy people are always stingy. See, if you're generous with a dollar, you're going to be generous with $1,000. See, if you love God with all your heart and you, and you say, I'm walking in success with a dollar in my pocket, when you get $1,000, you're not going to change the way you walk. It only reveals character. Money only reveals character. That's all it does. I can know who you are by the way you spend your money. I had a friend of mine, Bill Swat. He's passed away. He's going to be with the Lord. He was a uh, the largest 
Chevy dealership owner in the in the nation up in Ohio. Multi, multi-millionaire. I talked to him one day and, he, and he's and I asked him, I said, let me ask you something. We're on the golf course. I said, let me ask you something. I know you're not working anymore. You got your money invested. I said, I, I, maybe I, you should, you know, I shouldn't ask this, but I'm so curious. You're out here playing golf. I said, is your money still making money for you? He said, oh yeah. I said, well, can I, can I ask you kind of on an hourly basis, what are you doing? He says, I'm making between ten dollars and $15,000 an hour in my investments. I said, we're playing golf. He says, nothing to do with it. It's working for me. I'm not working for it. Oh, I'll let that sink in a minute. So he bought a brand new Rolls Royce. Convertible, yellow. I rode in it. Pulled, he was a pastor too. Pulled up to his church. Brand new Rolls, convertible Rolls Royce. Three, back then it was $358,000 he paid for it cash. Wrote the check. A little lady comes up to him and says, I am so upset at you that I'm never coming back to this church again. He said, really? She says, how can you spend that kind of money on a Rolls Royce and you know the kingdom of God needs it? He said, I looked at her. He said, really? He's going to ask you something? He reached back in his, his uh, back of the backseat of his car, pulled out his briefcase, pulled out his checkbook. He says, I've got my checkbook. You got yours? What do you mean? He said, I'm going to lay my checkbook down. You lay yours down. Let's see who gives more accordingly to the kingdom. Right. It's so easy to judge someone when you've got nothing. Yeah. I was with Bill when I sit, I would see him sit down, and it was nothing to him to drop $100,000 here, $100,000 here, $100,000. He gave millions away. She's fussing about a car. That's like a lot of us. If you're not careful, you're going to get all upset at all these prosperity people. You don't know what they're doing. I got a man in my church, multi-millionaire, brand new Bentley sitting in his, in his thing. Lives in a million plus dollar home. But when I got ready to build, move in our new building, he said, you know, we were going to give a half a million, but I'm going to write you a million dollar check, Pastor. We got ready to do the thing over in Thailand. I called him up. I said, we, we, I, I need you to write a check to buy the property for the, for the Aka tribe. We're building an orphanage over there. How much you need, Pastor? Don't, who cares what kind of cars he's driving? Who cares what kind of house he's living in? I know what he's doing in the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you something, pastors and, and ministers and missionaries. Get ready to be blessed because some people aren't going to understand that you're on the mission field and you're preaching the gospel and lives are getting changed. And they're going to be so upset because God is bringing into your life supernatural provision. And they're going to be so upset at what you drive and how you live and where you go. They haven't got a clue what's going on. But they'll live in their little stinking little homes. They'll live in their, their houses they can't pay for, drive the cars that they pay uh, if you will, a, a, a payment on it or having to lease it or a beat up car that you don't even want to ride in and they're going to complain about you. Get over it. You are destined of God as ministers of God, missionaries. And let me say this to you. That doesn't mean you're going to have a million dollars in the bank, but it means that every need should be met in your life. Your children and your wife and your husband should never be without anything. Everything you do for the kingdom should be provided for, and there should be more than enough that when you go to bed at night, you can celebrate the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Don't let anybody talk you out of that. Hmm. Wealth is not found in what you do not have. It's found in what you do have. Whew. Wealth begins on the inside and not on the outside. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. My God. I think I told this three years ago, but I'll close right here. We were in Lakeland, Florida. I was in Bible college. We were in Teen Challenge. We were out in the street. We were witnessing street witnessing. We worked with the church, First Assembly of God. Carl Strader was the pastor. There was a homeless man that was there that one of the guys led to Christ. The guy had said, he was, he was an alcoholic, he was homeless, he was filthy, he was dirty, scraggly beard, clothes, I mean, he smelled, it was terrible. But he got saved. And one of the guys in the church said, you know what, he says, why don't you come home? I got, I've got a little guest house in the back of my place. Why don't you come get cleaned up? Why don't you stay there till we can figure out what we're going to do? 
So the guy came there and he, he gave him some of his old clothes and that the man had because he about the same size. The guy went and cleaned up, got shaved, and he took him there and got his hair cut and got him cleaned up. A couple days later, he said, listen, we got a full gospel businessmen's meeting. And uh, would you come and give your testimony? where businessmen would come together be used as a witness to the full gospel to, for businessmen in the area. We'd have that meeting once a month. So the young or the man was there, a young man, the man was there. What had happened is he'd owned a business up north, successful business. His wife and two children got killed in a car accident. He started drinking, became an alcoholic, lost everything, became homeless. He'd been homeless for over 10 years. See, everybody's got a story. The reason I don't judge people anymore. There's always a story. So we got to the meeting. He got up and gave his testimony, and people were really moved. And some men got saved that night. Some business people got saved. It was a wonderful time. But we, you know, we sit in these round tables, and they put like, you know, eight people at a table around this table. Ten people. It was ten people at this one. Ten people around the table. And he's sitting at the end of this table, and, and, the, and the president of the company, or the, or the full gospel, got up and said, now listen, we're going to take an offering, which we do every, because we, we buy, you know, books and things like that and send out Christian literature. And so we're going to take up an offering tonight. You know, what, what we'd always do is we'd dump the bread out of the bread basket, and we'd pass it around a thing, and then they'd come by and collect it, you know. So, you know, so they're passing this little basket, little bread basket thing around. And this man's sitting there, and you could see he's bothered. He's like... And he's, of course, he's doing that. Well, he's got no money. He just got saved. He come off the street. He's got on somebody else's clothes. You know, but he's bothered. So finally, he when a basket, because he was, he was just nervous. He was, you know, and, he, and you could see. But when the basket got around to him, he reached up. The guy had given him an old blazer with little metal buttons on it. And he ripped the metal button off. And he threw it in the thing. Amazing, isn't it? Twelve years later, advancing forward, that gentleman who threw the button in the basket owned the largest aluminum siding business in the Tampa Bay Clearwater area and had become a multimillionaire again. You see, prosperity is not what you don't have. It's what you have that will motivate you into that place that God has already prepared for you. Prosperity is our birthright. Success in God and provision of God is ours, but we have to. I said we have to believe in it, and we have to take steps towards it, and we have to know something. You cannot get to where God wants you to go till you understand he already has provision waiting on you to step into that place that it can manifest itself. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to know more about Faith Bible College International, please go to faithbci.org. And find out how you can enroll in our programs or partner with our mission. Again, thank you for listening to FBCI Podcast. Join us next time for more teaching and encouragement. Remember, you make a world of difference.